Awesome. Uh, welcome to the Books to Business first live workshop. We're, uh, we're excited about this. We're kind of putting this into a, uh, like a virtual book club, if you will, because we read a book a week. We talk about a book every single week with, uh, with each other on our podcast, and that podcast is now a top 100 podcast in the business category in the U.S., so it's growing quite well. And now we're going to do a live workshop every Thursday night at 8 o'clock. Uh, for the foreseeable future, we had a, a fair amount of registrations, um, and we're excited about that. Some people couldn't actually make it, so we're also going to record it. If you can't make it, we're going to—if you're registered in the loop—we're going to send you the the actual um, recording of the of the uh, of the workshop. So, welcome, everyone. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So, we, we you know, as, as those of you guys that have been watching and following us, we talk about you know every every Tuesday at nine, put out a podcast mm -hmm. where we diving into the sort of the concepts now we're going to try and make it practical and it's a chance to hang out and see how we can help you guys see if there's any specific questions yeah. go over the themes from the book and talk about how we uh how we made it work right yeah and i'm already halfway through this book which we're going to be doing this week called uh, start with why simon Sinek. did you start the book yeah i'm about a third of the way through it it's already i was telling steve it's already a top 10 for me oh, this, this I, is a good book. book yeah everyone's seen the uh um TED Talk or yeah. TEDx Talk. I'm not sure which one it was, but yeah, this think, did, you know, a lot of. I think he had uh, yeah, like 15 or 20 million people, but this is all about, he called it the golden, the golden circle and about, you know, why companies do well and do versus what they do and how they do it, starting with why. So we're excited to talk about that. But this week we're talking about five stars, communication secrets to go from good to great. And we're going to open it up for uh, questions in the chat. So if you have questions and you want to do a live workshop on your business, um, this is all about basically messaging. You know, that's what Carmine is good at. Carmine helped me with my TED Talk. I hired him in October. I flew out to uh, Silicon Valley where he, where he, um, where he lives. He, his wife is a, actually a, a, um, a stage presence coach. And he's got, oh, cool. of course, yeah. So they work as a team. They're fantastic. So they taught me the framework. Uh, they, they cut away from a lot of my, what I had written down as notes and what I was rehearsing. And they took everything that I think was a little bit, too scatterbrained as I am, and they got it down to, you know, one main idea, three uh, supporting topics. Yeah, um, and he calls it three, the three-part story system. That was an awesome process to see. Is you taking? We talked about that a little bit uh, a couple days ago. Is you taking that ultimately twenty-three-minute speech and just kind of ripping it down to right. uh, you know the, the bare essentials? That was fun. Yeah, we had. Um, yeah, I I, I I recorded it and. Every time I recorded it, it was always 18 minutes, which is the most you can do. And then when I when I did it live, and I did it live three or four times, and yeah. that was uh, <laughs> what was it 28 minutes was my, my my last one a week before the TED talk. So I had to cut it down and cut it down. And um, you know, it, with 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 communicating, less is better than more. That's the only thing I can tell you. It's not like you don't have to be, you don't have to use extraordinary words. You don't have to be overly complicated. It's more of a simple process. Right. Uh, it's one of the things he hits on big time yeah. in his book. Yeah. We got any questions, Steve? You'll be asking yeah, sure. people, uh, see if people have questions. We want to do a, a, a live workshop on, on uh, if, you're, if you're communicating, you're a speaker, okay, or you're presenting, uh, particularly now with Zoom, I've seen a lot of really bad Zoom presentations where people are reading off of bullets and they're not engaging the audience. 
I'm seeing a lot of uh, kind of scatterbrained ideas about. It's actually one of the questions I got here. Yeah. So, uh, if, by the way, feel free to ask a question. I'll ask it to these guys. Uh, just yep. type it in the chat. But I got a question here that says, what is some tips to get an audience more engaged when they're not contributing to the conversation online? This is specifically for Zoom. For Zoom? Yeah. All right. Um, what do you think? Well, I think you, going into any meeting, you know your audience. You know, you know, you know, you've done a little bit of research. You understand um, what their pain points are, what they're trying to accomplish, so that when you leave, you know, everyone walks out of the uh, the meeting feeling good. So that helps you sort of direct and be more targeted. Um, and I think you know you st- started alluding to this, mm-hmm. and um, it was in the book. You know, you mentioned simplification. Right. Carmine Gallo talks about literally, I, I don't remember if it's third or fifth grade, right. but literally when you're expressing yourself and you're articulating your ideas, mm-hmm. you do it in the way that a fifth grader could talk to you. Right. And you know, that's, that's challenging to do, but it's captivating because right. um, you don't want people wasting time thinking about, you know, the ins and outs of, uh, you know, tr- trying to decipher what you're saying. You want it simple, clear, concise. Um, those are some yeah, basic. There's things. a grammar tool called the readability index. Oh, you mentioned yeah, that. Yeah. So you can put in any, any text that you have to present, you can put that through the readability index and it'll tell you what the education level of the audience needs to be to understand what you're saying. And higher is not better. Actually, lower is better. The best speeches of our time, um, the speeches that have an uh, like an overriding theme, if you look at the great ones, uh, like uh, King did, I have a dream, right? He'd say, I have a dream, and he'd give you a bullet. He'd say, I have a dream, he'd give you another bullet. I have another dream, he'd give you a bullet. And he kept that one theme going throughout. Um, but when you're talking about a monologue, that's, that's effective, but when you're in a dialogue, okay, or group interaction, the workshop model works quite well, like what we're doing right now. Uh, you can wrap on a subject, keep it to a few things that you know are problems that people have. As I know right now, people have problems and they're uncomfortable uh, making presentations. Um, you know, some people are literally being forced to do something they don't like to do, or they're not any good at it. Right. And you can get good at it, um, but you know, engaging people and uh, also being a little, a little vulnerable, a little transparent, saying, you know, I'm new at this. I'd like some feedback, some interaction, and, and usually. Don't be afraid of a little a little silence either. Yeah. You know, as long as you're not squirming, someone will <laughs> save you, trust me. You know, yeah. there's always a friend in the audience that'll that'll bail you out. Uh, asking questions, soliciting um, soliciting questions in the chat. And if all else fails, make up some questions. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> We've done that before. You piggyback you piggyback to a really important one right. in the book too, storytelling. Right people are emotional and they're story driven. And so that's in the Simon Sinek one too. start with why. I mean, that's what it's all about. So you could, for example, you could tell someone why working hard is important and you could give the science of progress and hard work. And you could talk about, you know, micromanaging a day, or you can talk about a story where, you know, you thought you worked hard, you fell on your ass, you picked up the pieces, you made it count, you made it happen. And that hits home for people. That's more so like, you know, Carmine talks about that when he's talking about TEDx speakers right. and what makes the great ones great is they tell stories and they move people through stories. Um, that's, that's huge. Yeah. Well, I mean, our brains are wired for story and I, I mean, we've done like 23 books now. So if you've been following along it's with amazing us from the beginning, yeah. we do one every week and you know, we have it down with science. I'd say at least half of them refer to communication style through story. 
story has predated words. You know, stories were written like sticks in the sand were stories that, that uh, we told before we, we even had words. Like 30,000, 40,000 years ago, there's, there's drawings on cave walls that were stories about <clears throat> how to get something or how to avoid a, a pain. Uh, now, if you're, in a, if you're in a presentation, you're being asked to probably solve someone's problem. Oop. You're trying to explain something that is not clear to somebody, right? That's why you're doing it. In almost every case, you want to make it simple and you want to communicate it in three, you know, in three parts. One overriding theme and three bullets. That's the three, the three, uh, the rule of three, they call it. Yeah. The three little pigs, the three amigos, the three blind mice, three whatever. Yeah. Everything's three or four, no more. <laughs> right. I had, I had, a, that's a funny, we have a joke about that. Like everything's three or four, but I had 12 steps going into my TED talk. There was 12 and he cut it down to three. Went into that with an ax. Oh yeah. Wiped it right out. Yeah. Because otherwise the story was a good one, but I would have needed a hell of a lot longer than 18 minutes. And all science says that people can only learn at 18 minutes. So if you're on, on for, 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 if you're on a presentation, try to keep your part to 18 minutes, open up the conversation after and, and get the workshop going after you present your case and your simple, readable, simple idea on how to make the complex simple. And always when you can is use metaphors like you're the king of metaphors. I love metaphors. Yeah. yeah. People remember them. You know, yeah. I'm having a, how about a kid write a book right now? He might even be online. Um, I've helped a few people write books, and he's got a, a metaphor for uh, well, he sells a really safe um, asset, a really boring asset class that's mm-hmm. kind of there when you need it, and then also sells you know a lot of financial advisors on it. I invited my financial advisor friends. So, is his challenge like creating urgency around that? Well, or? he's going to write it about <clears throat> asset classes, which are going to put everybody to sleep. I was saying you got to kind of find a metaphor for what the thing does um, that someone else that doesn't know what you're talking about will, will connect to. Like to use a metaphor, you use something you know uh, and they know to talk about something they don't know about. Right. Right. Like we have these cards here, for instance. These are our these are our playing cards to building out a digital message in a business. Uh, we're using cards to explain something that you may not know how to do with something you know how to do. You know how to play cards. So metaphors are like that. So in his case, we're going to use characters. We're going to use like the rabbit and the hare. I think we, you know, because the hare is the, the the risky, you know, the hyper hairy. We're going to call him, and the and the tortoise is the steady Eddie. Right. You know, one, you know <laughs> I said, do it in that story. At least people will understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Because once you start talking about financial stuff, people go to sleep. Uh, if they don't, and if they don't understand it, if they're confused, the confused buyer does not buy. That's yeah. That, I mean, that's the thing about this book. If you had to simplify it, if someone was like, "Hey, I'm on the fence about this," you know, can you can you explain it to me? It's like the best takeaways. And there's a lot of good stories in here, but the best mm-hmm. takeaways are keep it short, hit on the emotions, and tell stories. And just doing yeah. that, it'll take you from good to great to excellent. You know, you you always drop that stat that I think is really incredible. Just how much of the economy is persuasion? Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. a lot of it, right? I'm not, I forget the number. There was a yeah. There's a there's an economist that studied people's occupation and how much of that occupation was uh, dedicated to persuading people, like lawyers, salespeople. 
um, doctors have to persuade to get their point across, therefore make their, their recommendations and make the economy go. And they, they think 75% of a lawyer's job is persuasion. Uh, there's another group where about 50% of their job is persuasion. Uh, and that'd be like teachers and authors. Half the time they're persuading people. And then there's others that get you know, persuasion power through their job title, like a cop or a fireman, about 25%. If you add it all up, 40% of our GDP, 40% of our economy is based upon people's ability to persuade. And the Americans do it better than anybody else. Okay, because we have all these trainings as little kids on how to persuade. Mm. You know? Got a question here. Yep. This one is from Marco de Plasses. Hopefully I said that right. I struggle with staying focused over a longer period of time. Do you have any recommendations to focus and concentrate longer? Mm. A little more of a mindset question. Yeah. Uh, that's your, yeah, that's well, your wheelhouse. I saw it. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking up there. It says, uh, can we also ask questions about self-improvement or only business in general? And so I, I, that's such an important question because what I learned is that they're, they're – they're not different. Right, They're the right. same thing. You know, we, when you dive in and you improve yourself, I always make a joke reading a book a week has been like a second education for me. I mean, it's mm-hmm. changed my life, but it's also helped um, my business 100%. You know, we we're talking about persuasion. Like when I first started, you know, my my businesses didn't start out as, I, I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. That wasn't a thing I wanted to create. And so what I did was I'm going to make things, I'm going to tell stories but I don't want to sell. I'm not a seller. I don't do sales. I don't, I just, no. And then as you sort of dive into this and you surround yourself with people in the business world and you learn from the greats, you realize like you're always selling yourself. Right. You know, um, so same thing as you improve yourself and, and the way you look at the world, your business improves. And the actual question you ask, uh, staying focused um, a couple trips, uh, tips and tricks I use. I'm sure you have uh, some different ones. Are um, breaking it up. You know, I for years I sat in this, this studio apartment when I did a lot of my uh, building and creating and stuff like that. And literally, as, as simple as like. Uh, uh, working in one side of the apartment and sleeping in the other breaks yeah. up that monotony. I mean, there's always things you can do it. And then, and then uh, breaking the big down into the small. Usually we lose motivation. Usually, usually we become uninspired. Usually we become stuck when we start looking at the big picture and we forget, you know, all we have to do is 10 minutes right? A marathon is, a, is, is made up of small steps. Hmm. And so you can always do one thing and, and, and that's enough, um, to get you going and keep you focused on the next thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to keep rapping. For no, an hour, it's, but mindset is, is, is mentioned in every single business book you'll ever read. And simplicity is mentioned in a lot of them. I know two for two, two books, Marco, that I would suggest you read. The first one is essentialism and it's a, it's a, the tireless pursuit of less, I think it's called right? Pursuing less, which means you're cutting away. And then uh, Gary Keller wrote a book called The One Thing. Mm-hmm. And what the book is, it, 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 makes, it, it, it reduces your day down to one thing that you can do today that by doing that brings you closer to your best goal tomorrow. Yeah. And it's like a chessboard. There, in chess, there's always a mathematical best use of your move your best one move, which puts you in a better place to win. The same is true for the one thing. Uh, if you're confused and you're, you're losing focus, my, my coaching would probably be you're chasing too many. Um, you know, picture yourself in an elevator and all the, all the butterflies or, or uh, feathers are going around and you're like just very confused. What the, you'd be taught to do is find one 
and keep it still and make that one right. Hmm. All right. While everything else moves, make something stable and then fix it. Let it go. Like if it's your bills right now, get, get a bill, put it on the ground, call the phone company or whoever it is you got to pay. Say, hey, listen, I can't pay you this month. And they'll say, okay, call us next month. <laughs> like they'll be happy you called. And then you're like, oh, this is great. And pretty soon you got them all knocked out. So create some methodology to getting through things, which I think goes heavily with also uh, your routine, your morning routine, especially. Yeah. So those are, those are things that can, can help you. And it's a great question because mindset and business are, are brothers and sisters. They're, they're related. Same thing. And that's amazing, man, too, because when you set goals, like, you know, when you break it down, you grab that one feather or you have two or three things, mm -hmm. not three or four, two or three <laughs> things that you're going to do before you go to bed um, and they're clear you conquer them, right? Because of the simplification. And then what you start to do over time is you start to identify yourself as someone that sets goals and just crushes them. One of my favorite quotes uh, by Ryan Holiday is confidence is earned. And it's earned because you create small goals every day and you, you get used to tackling them and making the most of them and, and you get the snowball effect. So uh, I love I love that 100%. I got another question here. Yeah, go ahead. Take it. Sure. This one's from June M. I have a question, but I don't know if it's related to tonight's topic, which is awesome because we do do a different topic, but it, you can still ask anything. I just yeah. want to make that clear. Uh, usually when I start talking about anything in the middle of my talks, I realize that all eyes are on me. So I start to be anxious about my talk and I start to ruin everything. I don't know how to focus on making my talk interesting and stop thinking about what others think about it. Oh, uh, the, I mean, two, two, two great TED Talks you can watch come to mind. The first one was by Amy Cuddy called Presence. There's a, there's a, there's a hormone you can reduce called the superhero hormone just by the way you stand. And, and um, it's a great TED Talk talking about your physiology. Also, there's another TED Talk by Brene Brown, which is on vulnerability. And we did an episode with, uh, called The Tools with... Um, Barry Michaels. Barry, Barry Michaels about a tool that you can use. It's called the, the um, what's it called? Shadow. It talks about the shadow. Like we all have a shadow, you know, in the, you know, believe it or not, before this started today, just to be fully transparent, we have, you know, 50, 60 people registered and our cameras aren't working. So instead of having a shit fit, <laughs> you know, we're just like, let's be cool. And we set up a little alternate thing here while Steve was scrambling to get the, the you know, some kind of wire or something like, yeah. dumb. <laughs> All right. But now it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? It was just something stupid, but you know, there's no reason to get freaked out by the way. Cause when you're freaked out, you got to deal with two things. You got to deal with being freaked out and the real problem. Right. So freaking out helps nobody, you know, calm, be calm, take a breath. And, and, and tell them if you're uncomfortable. Say, look, I'm uncomfortable, uh, but I'm going to give you information that's going to help you and reinforce that you know it better than they do because that's why you're up there. Yeah. And you'll be strong. You'll do fine. What's... Um, practice. Pra that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Got to practice. So, so what, what helped me... This started with, with, my, uh, with my TEDx talk, and then I've carried it through to literally every keynote since, and it sounds, it sounds so basic that it's almost insulting, but it changed my life. So like when, you, when you're not entirely tight on your speech, you go up and you're on stage and you're thinking about what you're saying. Um, and what I've found is when you practice to the point of um, just 
so redundant, so ridiculous. So you don't even have to think about it on stage. Then you can think about things like eye contact and delivery and things that you'd never, ever think about or be cognizant of. If your mind is saying, what do I say next? What do I, you know, if you're completely tight, you can then focus on, you know, being comfortable and composed and making eye contact and, mm. and, you know, looking at people in the back of the room and all this stuff that, you know, really sets, uh, keynotes apart, presentations apart, but 95% of it's before you even step on stage. That actually, I don't know if you were going to say something, but I have a question that's like very similar to that. What's up? Um, it's, uh, it says, uh, what are the similarities and differences between talking in public on a stage versus zoom audience? Hmm. I like I like talking stages better. Do you? Yeah, I like the feel, but I'm you know I'm because oh, you can see the reaction of the well, audience, right? I wish almost that we could have a camera on the setup here because we have Steve as our producer sits there, you know, and then Eddie and I are like three or four feet feet apart, <laughs> <laughs> and there's cameras here, one on Eddie, one on me, one on us, and one on Steve, right? And if one doesn't work, it creates a, it creates a angst. So you got to stay calm, but it, when you're in an audience, you're not getting any feedback. So I'm talking to an empty lens right now. Yeah. Right. And even though Eddie's right here, like I want to talk to Eddie, but if you're going to, once you rehearse things long enough, you can you. start to, yeah, his head's in front now. <laughs> and so there's all kinds of distractions. And if you're on a zoom call, usually it's just you and your computer, which is, you know, the, you got to drag the people underneath your camera. Otherwise, you're looking down here and the people are over there. A lot of the etiquette things that, that help people do a better Zoom meeting. But what about preparation? Yeah, I mean, would you prepare any different for something like this versus I, I, if you're doing Zoom and you're new to it, I'd get a friend and just talk to them on Zoom and ask them how you how you look. Yeah. <laughs> Most of it's eye contact. And then, you know, it's a. Uh, your audio quality. Some people have crappy audio. Uh, this is a great group because not no no one's making a smoothie while we're trying to have a chat here. <laughs> That's usually another problem or also, someone's I dog sure or baby. Yeah, the etiquette. What? I made sure to mute them too. Oh, everyone's yeah. muted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we, I mean, we have a. We've done a lot of these. Probably too many. Uh, but I'm excited about this particular way to connect with our audience as it grows because we want to create a large virtual book club so that when we call the Simon Senate, because he told us no on, on this week, we want him to have 5,000, 10,000 people that want to learn about his book. Not only the one he's writing, but his next one. It gives them a chance to be able you know, be the author. Uh, and Carmine did a great job. If you didn't listen to the episode, listen to it. It's like tons of secrets yeah. on how to be an amazing communicator. The guy's remarkable. It was. It was All the awesome. science behind connection, the neurocoupling, when you're telling a story, brain waves are matching. Like if I'm telling you a good story and then if I, if I can release that love, the endorphins of, uh, of dopamine with, a, with empathy, it talks about the Aristotle uh, storytelling uh, formula. A lot of right? stuff you can take, yeah. And, and that applies to really, like there are certain things, those formulas apply to both sitting here talking into a camera as well as being on stage. Right. Um, you got to prep. You got But the biggest difference, it just feels different talking to a camera. I mean, I yeah. don't think that's news to anyone, but it's like if you were going to prep anything, you got to set a camera up because it's one of those things where you think it's not weird, but it's weird. <laughs> uh, you know, and so just different feel versus standing in front of an audience and, and looking out into the, the crowd. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a whole other thing. But I mean, they, we all got smartphones now. And you can just prop it up with a cheap, a cheap uh, tripod or lean it against the bookcase, whatever, yeah. and do your presentation because you have 
when you're presenting, you have eye contact, you have you got to move the room, you got to speak to people, you got to you got to get that down. That's expert level speaking for the most part, though. If you remember your big idea and you keep it in simple bites of three, and you give it to them in a story, three stories, two stories about each idea. And that'll reinforce it because when you tell a story, particularly if it's got empathy, some kind of feeling attached to it, the, the, the audience will start to couple. Your brain will actually match waves. It's kind of wild. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. It's called neural alignment and neural coupling. And when you're telling a good story, that's, what, that's what, where one TED Talk takes off is when somebody connected, like Brene Brown's connected with vulnerability. Like the whole world's like, finally someone said it. Like she didn't want to be there either. And then, you know, now she gave everyone a secret to being better at something we don't want to do and we got to do. Yeah. Right? Because most people would rather, uh, studies say, most people would rather at a funeral, they'd rather be in the casket than up front talk, telling this. Telling <laughs> Giving the, the oh, yeah. <laughs> That's like my favorite. That's like That's awesome. like the number one thing. Um, Which speaking of. That's a Seinfeld joke. And we forgot one of the, the, the most important things, humor. Oh, yeah. You know, like my content tends to be like, I guess serious is the way to put it. It's, it's pretty serious. It's, it's definitely not comedy, but, you know, every speech needs some type of comedic relief. Well, you, you, you're in a motivational space. It's kind of an interesting thing. I don't know whether or not he would have put, he put humor in mind, but I had humor, kind of a fun, funny dude. Yeah. So I, you know, I kind of like make fun of myself. My whole, my whole, my whole uh, visit or journey was a, it's tough to watch. So I guess if you're watching, you get your money's worth. But there's five steps to like PowerPoints and Zoom meetings that, that he talks about in the book. Uh, this is chapter, this is ch the end of part two. But the first thing in PowerPoints, he says, get rid of the, burn the bullets. Because yep. when, he, when he, he, he's pretty active in TED, he wrote Talk Like TED. And he says when TED, a TED talker comes down with a really serious point, they give him a drink and they say, we're going to start burning your whole presentation. Because they burn all the bullets and they turn them into pictures. Like the average TED talk or Google presentation only has about 40 words in the whole hour. They're not allowed bullets. Yeah, yeah. they don't get them. And yeah. so picture, a picture allows the brain to start to connect to an idea. Like if you're talking about something like a happy person, there should be a picture of a happy person. If you're talking about some pain, there should be pain. Uh, it's very interesting. And then to lighten up and break the monotony, particularly a serious matter, tell a joke. Right. Um, if you don't want to tell a joke about the situation, tell a joke about you. I'm going to uh, check Simon Sinek's. I wonder if he uh, has any jokes in the power of why. I haven't seen. I think he does, though. Uh, he and must. Then, the third thing is share your own struggles. So for the, the lady, uh, the young lady who asked about, you know, losing their way, just share it. I mean, people empathize with you like almost immediately. No one will fault you for feeling awkward because uh, people like to hear stories and they like to hear stories, particularly of comebacks and, um, you know, something that you got over and they want to see that and they want it easy to follow easy to follow. So big, big idea, three points, easy, very simple language. And the last one is, this is the best one. Promise something to them that's new, right? Novelty. If I said, you know, why don't you join us for this, this uh, live workshop we're doing where we're going to go over something we've always gone over and it's going to be nothing new. Uh, <laughs> nobody would show up like this is new. We're, Eddie and I and Steve, we're sitting in the kitchen over there. This is our studio. If you could see it, there's the, the Hollywood, uh, Hollywood Beach and the, the new casinos out the window here. The, um, 
the Hard Rock Casino, the brand new one, empty. But we were saying, well, what can we do to tie the audience into this uh, podcast a little bit more so we can get more followers, so we can get the authors on? Because the authors are what are going to make us a number one or two podcasts, getting the author on every week and its engagement with the audience. So let's start a large virtual book club, workshop type thing for business owners, entrepreneurs, people that are want to be just better. You don't have to be a business owner. You could be an aspiring business owner, entrepreneur. At some point in your life, you're going to own something. Trust me. Uh, and these skills will come in, come in handy. Yeah. And uh, the book a week, you know, if you're doing a buy, I realize how intimidating that is. Uh, another little hack that changed a lot for me is the, the 2.0 on Audible. I, I scream that from the mountaintops because right. you realize how slow people read on regular speed that if you double it, you get a book done in half the time and it's really not that outrageous. Like you can, it's like the matrix. You can just absorb the info and I can, you know, get two books done in a week. It's incredible. And, yeah. uh, there's nothing, this book was what? Six hours, six hours on, um, on one, on, on one. And Carmine speaks slow. I, I, I watch, I listen to it on two, but I also read the book and follow along because I can actually go to, I've, I've been starting to do 2.5. So if you're following along and there's and they're speaking fast, you can you can follow along and you can get the ideas of the book, and then you go to reinforce it, talking about it with friends, right? Go to our our, our private group. Steve will put a link in the in the chat to join our private group. Sure, uh, we chat about the book. There's there's something called what is the one we use? Blink, Blink, Blink reviews a book in ten minutes, and then there's YouTube upon YouTube's on the book. Yeah. And then usually it's Simon, in this case, has done several podcasts and radio appearances about the book. By the end, you'll know it great. You'll have a new ability where there once was none in, in under three hours. Yeah, I'd yeah. say all in, three, four hours, three or four. Dude, that's like five times. Yeah, three or four <laughs> hours, 52 books. The average People. CEO reads 50 books a year, right? Yeah, the average CEO, 50 books a year. If, you're, if, you, if you put 50 books down in a year, you will take out everyone in being interesting. Yeah, that's take true. Them all out. You always, always have, have some a story in your always. pocket. You always have something. Someone's got a question on speed reading, actually. It says uh, from Marco again, so would you say that speed reading works? I mean, do you understand and digest the whole content of the book while speed reading? And do you make summaries while read after you read or you don't summarize at all? You want to talk about your strategy? You have a unique way of doing it. Well, I, I read quick. And then I, if you see this book here, it, there's all these notes in it. And I dog ear it, and then I create in front of here, there's a, the, there's a master strategy. We got the three parts of the book and, and a, two or three big ideas in every part. And you know we all do it differently. Eddie, I think, what do you, tag it in the yeah, app, in I'll, the actual Audible I'll app. show them in the app. And it's also, yeah. we were talking about that that could be its own business. Like we know people that have made a business basically on what yeah. you're doing with that book. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to be a book reporting company. We want to talk about application. They're you know, gateways, We yeah. want to weaponize the knowledge. Um, and we do that just teaching you what it means to a business owner, right? And, and you know, in Carmen's case, I know everyone on this, on this call has done or will do a PowerPoint, has done or will be a best man at a wedding or best woman, or a, given a eulogy at a funeral, or yell at your family at, at, a, at a dinner, you know? It's like you're always going to command the, the, and this is a book that teaches you concepts. So I think I get a lot of it. And the more you talk about it, the more you, 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 um, you, you anchor. You mentioned something too about reading to teach it is different than right. reading it for, um, you know. Right. Yeah, we look like a bunch of idiots if we don't know it a little bit. Yeah, you have to, <laughs> you have to dive into it uh, from a different... But, uh, but, 
Go ahead, show them. I was just gonna say, yeah, the way the way I do it is pretty simple. So if you take Audible, I'm not sure if this will focus. I touch my screen like like this. It's not too bad. Almost. Yeah, it's all right. Um, But basically. Uh, so I'm listening to it and, and I usually when I go on long runs uh, is when I, I consume a lot of audiobooks. There's what I do is you can hit clip and voice note and when I hear something that's awesome, I hit voice note and I, I literally repeat the last two sentences that I think are important or the summary. And so what it does is not only do I have it to go back and look at later, but saying it again helps you reinforce it. And uh, that's my favorite yeah. way to, to do it. I don't I don't find myself missing anything or anything like that. And we talk about the book all week as we as we um, as we uh, go through it, and we've been together more because of this thing. Normally, we're traveling a lot. Yeah. Uh, this is a format we can sustain through travel because we're always not working at eight o'clock at night. So I said, this is Thursday night. I can commit to indefinitely for an hour, and I enjoy doing it. But there the um, having someone to interact with makes the anchoring process a lot better, particularly if they're a peer or even uh, someone in the periphery yeah. of your, of your industry. It's more enjoyable too. I mean, that's the point of the podcast. It's fun to tackle these, these concepts and right. put my phone away. Um, these, uh, these, these books with people, it just makes it more yeah. powerful. Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, let me, see, let me show you our, what we're excited about too before we get started. So this is our digital deck. Um, I'm talking over here. So this is a concept that we made, that we made modeling um, the very complicated world of funnels and starting an online business. Because when you go online, you're taking something that you don't know. Like you don't necessarily have anything. My father would be like, what are you doing? You don't even have anything. Hmm. Like you don't have a store, you don't have a product, you don't have a cash register. Like, yeah, not really. So these cards allow you um, to kind of model your company. You know, the first part is about modeling your ideal client. You know, what program are you writing? What pain do they have? Um, What are they frustrated with? How old are they, their family? These are cards that you can literally kind of lay out on the table, if you will, and start to design your ideal uh, client, right? A lot of us are looking for who they want to sell their products to. So you should know who that is. And that client has a problem, right? You should know what that problem is. And if you don't know, you need to survey them. We just surveyed an audience last week, spent three hours on the phone Sunday night, surveying an audience that we want to solve. The survey question said that they're, they want something simple that's highly targeted, that is in a, uh, an algorithm, a step, they want the steps. They want the roadmap. They don't want to learn all the intricacies. They want it very simple. So this this system allows you to design your your business and their digital deck. And we have a free we have a free uh, if you're interested in a chat, we'll send you a sample of of the first thing we give away, which is just to design uh, that ideal client. And you can ask them a question. To, about a problem you know they have, and then you make a promise as a business to solve that problem, to be a part of the solution. And in doing that digitally, they'll give you their email, which is a lead, which allows you to follow up. Yeah. I mean, it's just a simple process. Take them through the, uh, the M3, just at a high level. Totally. Um, and, and I mean, just, just so you know, but the, the why, because it's Simon's book, like the why is this important? Think about what you learned in the last couple of weeks. You learned how to interact online. What if you could find new clients online? Right. How powerful would that be? Whole world's out there. 
you could be in a beach. You could be anywhere. So we have this as digital deck. Talk about M3. M3 is our, our, our framework. Yeah. So basically, uh, Carmine Gallo would be very proud of us. So we, we took a very complex thing and we simplified it to the point where you can create a framework and then fill in the gap. So every business has three things, which is the whole point of M3, three M's. Uh, message, uh, which is what's your business's message? What's the one liner? If you were to tell a stranger what you do, can you do it in a captivating way? Um, model, which is how are you monetizing that? What is your business model? And that encompasses, you know, some of the, the sales funnels and your processes for uh, generating income. And then the third M is media. So you have your message, you have a business model. How do you use the awesome things like uh, YouTube and Instagram and Zoom and, and all these tools to then share and get your business out to the world. Um, and that's, that's sort of the idea. We wanted to take the complex and make it simple, make it tangible. Yeah. The, a lot of people want to start a business and they think they want to start a giant Facebook page. They have no message. They have no idea who they're going to sell to. They don't know what their problem is. They haven't even designed products or they design a product. This is the worst one. They design a product to solve a problem that the client doesn't have. What about the famous T-Mac quote? You can't buy a house with likes. <laughs> well, I know. I know a lot of social influencers that can't, you know, can't afford their car payments. Oh, you got a million followers? What's that going to buy you? Yeah, like it's not what you think it is. Like there's a lot of, uh, it's called the Potomkin Village. There's a famous Catherine the Great story when she was entertaining the world's leaders, and they were going down St. Petersburg River towards the, you know, they were showing them Russia and how advanced they were. So Catherine de Great had all these fake towns built with happy people playing as the boat went by, but the houses were just wood stood against with a, with a prop behind it. There was nothing there at all. It's called the Potomkin Village. There's a lot of fake stuff out there. Be careful. Um, have a healthy dose of skepticism, as one of my good friends once told me, is make it real, you know, make it simple, if you think there's an audience there, find the audience, talk to that audience, find what, what their problem is. If you can be a part of that solution, craft a very simple product or a little one early on and test it. Um, it's called MVP, minimum viable product. Don't build it all out, build it out so it works a little bit. Like the first iPhone really didn't work that well. People bought it and then they made it better and they're still making it better. I got a question here from Instagram. If you want to take one of those, it's from Angus. It says, Angus. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> it says, do you prefer to do zoom calls with one-on-one -on -one coaching or group coaching and why? We'll take it. Um, sure. So most of the coaching I do just happens to be one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I don't know that it's a, it's a preference thing or that might change. It's just conducive to what I'm trying to do. Um, usually when I'm, when I'm on a zoom call, it's, it's either meeting or coaching a specific client. Um, yeah, no preference, just more personal. And, uh, it's like sitting in a room talking to someone, but I know you do quite a bit of, uh, you have a bunch of people right in, in your rooms. Yeah. I mean, I, ideally whatever you do, you do it to one to many. It's still, it's more scalable, but also ideally whatever you've done and done well, like these are recorded and if they have great ideas and people seem to like them, you'll know that quick enough. That can be, um, collateral content forever. So that could be tools. That's a great that, point. It's evergreen. Yeah, at some point, you don't want to have to eat what you kill all the time. And one-to-one -one means you're unemployed after that new assignment every single time. One-to-many uh, gives you the chance to scale a business 
but ideally you have some some cash flow that's coming in you know from a subscription type service that's a that's a good thing i used to get renewals in um in financial world we get renewals meaning you get a little bit every year for everything you've ever done and a lot when you originate the thing so that's uh, by the way that's that's in the model the second part of m3 which we'll be releasing shortly we were, we've accelerated a lot of this because we've had a lot of time we we, we we finished the product it's been awesome because man. we had eight weeks off but the m3 the m is the model like what's your model are you digital coaching coaching and uh, mastermind model are you selling physical products are you selling information are you selling uh consulting are you going to do it in a lump sum or or prescription subscription basis that's all that's all modeling that's important because that's the world that's the second step after your message your message you got to have a why behind it you know why you want to do something you want to help change the world okay i want to help people have a healthier life and to do that, they, they, it shouldn't be so hard to meet people. It shouldn't be so hard to make money. If you've got good things to do for the world, you should be able to find people to help easily so that you don't get a lot of toxicity in your life. So you can have a lifestyle-friendly business. So you can be a good family man or a woman. Um, spend time with the people you like and care about. That's the why. But the model is how you're going to do it. And that's the one that's going to create all the freedom. Yeah. And you do it right. And you touched on something that's super important. Like the, when I think of the advantage of an online business, obviously there's many, but it's, if you have something to say and you can share it in a digital product or, or house it digitally, a video or a recorded call, whatever that's forever. And you never need to make that again. And that's value that's repeatedly added. Um, and so, you know, when we're, when we strategize, a lot of the times, you know, we try and that's, like I said, that's our North star. We try and move towards that, mm. um, because it frees us up to do different things. You know, you can create something of value. It's always there. It's always accessible to your clients and your customers. And then you can move on to something else. You know, how else can I add value? And the scalability is just so big and so impactful. Um, yeah. Yeah. The model's everything. Media is last. Like how you how you share share your voice with the world um, depends on how what kind of content it is. Yeah, like certain, exactly. Certain things for certain content. I didn't. You know, I know a little bit more about it. I happen to be pretty good on LinkedIn and Facebook. Pretty good on Instagram. I just put in to be verified on Instagram, which is kind of cool. Fifty fifty. Right? Yeah. I don't know what the hell that means. Someone says it's a big deal. I think the odds are in your favor. Well, I, you know, I don't. I, I don't understand half the questions I get on that, but. <laughs> I like Facebook. You love YouTube. Yeah. You know, longer content. It uh, depends on, on where it is. I like YouTube, too. I'd like to be bigger on YouTube. I have a similar question to this. It's not really media, but it says, what industry would be the best to take online right now? Well, you have a very specific question for that one. Well, I'd say, I'd say, uh, if, if, I mean, I'd be guessing. But I think, I think. Uh, well, advisors, right? I think financial, I think medicine's going to go pretty heavy online, too. I think I think the telemedical business is going to be big, 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 big. I did my first telemed, and my my you know so there, that's going to be very big. But any service business that's boutique and high level that is going to the price I think is going to come down, because you can get access to top quality people all over the world. I think you'd be able to good. I think you'd be able to see a great doctor, in Ch- in oh not China, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like in India. There's amazing doctors in India. I almost went to India to get my transplant. And I could have paid $100 and had one of the top 
uh, hepatitis doctors or what are they called? Hepatologist? Is that what they call? I forget. Hepa something. What is it for? Gastro, gastro, but for the liver, I could have interviewed him on, online for a hundred bucks. Yeah. And if I was going to go to India, which would have been a big deal because it was getting towards the end, I was like, I had, I had to think about something. I ended up going to Mayo. But I think that business is going to be heavy uh, for people that can't afford like boutique med- medical attention. You can get that access. Um, hepatologist, right. It's a hepatologist, right. I should know, man. They saved my life. But um, I, I think more to you is what do you like to do? Like, what do you find yourself talking about on a Friday night? Like, if you go in to be a medical, in the medical community or you create software for that and you don't like it, you're going to end up doing something you don't like. Just read before getting on this call that someone predicted because of, you know, doctors being digital now, mm-hmm. a huge boom in the technology to support that. Um, yeah. So it's so interesting you said that. But, um, you know, piggybacking off that, it, it, it doesn't matter what's out there almost. It's like you do what you're passionate about. If you don't have some passion for it, you just won't. It, it won't happen because when the adversity pops up, like it always mm-hmm. does, when things go wrong, right? When you put out three courses and, and they fail, you don't get to the fourth one that succeeds because you're not excited and energized and mm-hmm. passionate about it. So don't ask, or, or let me phrase it this way. I wouldn't ask, um, you know, where out in the ether is the slight advantage or the little, it's like, what do you love to do? What value can you add to the world? And then you focus on how you deliver that. Uh, big difference. Yeah, it depends what's important to you. I want to travel a lot. I want to see the world. When it's safe to do so, I intend to do it. And I have built a framework where I can deliver as good or better coaching and teaching as I can in person like this. And I can do it in video without anyone listening to me. Yeah. Depends on how you want to do it. But make sure you like it. I like books. I like traveling. I actually like the financial industry again. Like I didn't like it because it made me unhappy. Now I figured out a way to do it that will make me happy. I think I can help you that. You wrote the rules there, yeah. yeah I, I would no intentions of ever going back into it, but now I find myself coaching advisors to get leads and to tighten up their message and communicate better so that they make more money, which they'll spend, but they'll, be a, they'll have more free time, which they'll hopefully spend doing something really good yeah. for themselves and their families so they're happy. That's our why. That would be our why for M3. You know, if you do this and do it well and you execute, get it tight once, by the way. Once it's right once, it stays forever. Uh, you know the process. You can build any business once you understand it. Then you can, dis- you can, you can be the architect of your life. That's powerful. Oh. Big stuff, you know. Architect. What else you got, Steve? What are some of the, the hardest things about taking a call online? see if they can get a little more on that i guess i guess that would be like taking a phone call online or taking a live question i mean these these, you know what's hard is when you you can't get interaction right you can it starts and then there's no interaction because you need two-way dialogue to create a a connection like you can ask that question and then like give me an I would I would say like give me an example are you are you trying to solve someone's problem are they are they looking for help and then I don't know it's it's a hard thing and you got to figure it out ideally they're they're like a lot of times we're talking and people aren't they don't have their cameras on I'm talking to a to someone's name and they're talking to my face yeah here's one I th- right what's oh. the difference between online consulting and online coaching synonymous right consulting and coaching a fee 
<laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's the same thing. I heard once that sometimes the same. a consulting could be like you're the expert and coaching could be like you're working with the person. That's what I've heard. Of, like, I, th- I think say. that's a good, I think that's true. I mean, a consultant's more of a business strategist for a company and a coach is more helping someone one-on-one. Right. I think they're very, I've heard that word in exchange for years. Long, long time before the coaching industry even even existed. Yeah, it's a whole industry now. Coaching. Well, it's it's pretty big. I mean, there's personal. Like I, I saw people become these personal coaches that are an absolute disaster. Well, that's the thing. There's got to be credibility, <laughs> right. you know. But some Otherwise, are great, you know. It depends. Yeah, and I think on on the previous question, like uh, one of the most challenging things is overthinking. You said a few minutes ago that a cell phone is like, it's just like incredibly powerful it can do everything so sometimes thinking like this is too too much or too complex or i need this and i need that and i it's like most of the time it really is a matter of a quick youtube tutorial um everything you know i've heard people predict that higher education is going to sharply decline because there's so many resources out there there's nothing youtube can't teach you so if it's like if it's like a quick um you know, tutorial, quick question you have, pop on YouTube, learn it, pull out that cell phone, and you can literally, ch- I mean, Carmine Gallo talks about that. One person can change the world now in 2020, holding that yeah. thing to their face, saying it, what they have to say and uploading it. If they have the what? Persuasion communication yeah. skills. If they don't, forget it. You might as well not have the idea. This is one of the, we're in the age of information, and you can have an idea on how to solve someone's problem could be a very big problem. If you can't communicate it and persuade somebody like Shark Tank, like the first five cards in this deck is the basic framework. Audience, what's their problem? What are you offering? What's your strategy? All right, and then what media source are you doing it to? So if you're on Shark Tank, you'd say, oh, I'm going after doctors. They need, uh, they, they don't know how to talk online to their patients. I'm gonna coach them. I'm gonna coach them on how to communicate with empathy right and i'm going to do that through video digital media and i'm going to do it on youtube mr shark and i want um uh, $200,000 to buy some acute computer and some salespeople i could i could i could make that business work by the way you know that's a, but the the basic framework first so you can pitch it to shark tank cuz before you buy a computer and rent space and buy products and do r&d why don't you ask a few people whether or not they're interested in it yeah that's all the survey. Big step. Yeah, have a little, have your own little Shark Tank. We should do Shark Tank. <laughs> That'd be awesome. If, all right, here's a question for you. Hit me. You got five grand left in the world. You lost all your money, all your followers. You don't have the bazillion people that love you. You only have none. Right. Where are you going to spend that five grand? What are you going to learn? Mm. Let's assume you have your computer. Okay. Okay. That was. So I'm, be I'm, my basically, thing. I'm basically saying, like, what education would you get with that five? Would you spend it on education leads? What would you do with it? Um, five grand. I think it would be Foxwoods. It would be some type of cell phone, cheap if it had to be mm-hmm. a computer, and like you have access to literally do anything if you have those two items. Right. So I would I would start there and then. Um, Maybe move my way up. I probably wouldn't have the luxury of Audible. So. With five grand, you might. I mean, yeah. But, but you can go to the library. Exactly. And yeah. library has Audible. I miss the Boston Public Library. Yeah. That place is so awesome. I miss Boston. I miss the championships. Get home. We're <laughs> <laughs> a couple of Boston boys. I got a question. So. What's the advantage between uh, hosting a Zoom call and a YouTube live stream? Um, 
in my experience, YouTube Live. Well, I like how YouTube Live. I mean, I my biggest audience is in YouTube. Um, you know, I've two hundred eighteen thousand subs there, and and so right after I finish the call, you hit submit and then it posts and everyone sees it. Um, so that's a big advantage. Also just like the way that people ask questions. Um, you know, it's a little bit more, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's well, YouTube, you have, um, it's just you on the screen, but in zoom, you can have the multiple people. Like everybody's faces can, you show can share up. your screen yeah, too, which I think is a big deal in zoom. Depends you, if you're teaching. You can't do that on YouTube now. I thought you could share your screen. Like I don't you can on Instagram, the split screen. You may, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't done it in a while, yeah. but not that I remember. But the audience can share their screen on zoom too. True. So that's big. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on the format. So if you're teaching, um, someone how to do something and you want their interaction, zoom's probably better. That's a good point. So YouTube. YouTube, YouTube is like a one way mirror. Yeah, YouTube is, um, I mean, you have that. It's about like having a private audience. Like if you can put any video on, like 200,000 people see it. Right, right. Or they at least get notified it's there, right? They don't necessarily watch it, but. Right. I like to believe they all run to their computers, stop their life, and they press play. That's interesting. <laughs> Be nice. Anything else, Steve? Yeah. What's the give us more stuff. We're what's the hot. fastest way to grow your channel on Zoom? I think they mean money, like with your business. And what's the most profitable way to use Zoom? Zoom. Um, so explain the first part. The, the fastest way. What? Fastest way to make money through Zoom, and the most profitable way to make money. Make like the most. Pro- I think they mean like the highest ceiling through Zoom, right. and the fastest way to make money. So like, is there a quick way, and then is there the most profitable? Uh, strategy. So I'll offer this and then I'll see if you agree. Um, you know, in the, in the modeling, uh, component of M3, one of the most important pieces is free ungated content. And a lot of people overlook that when they think online business, they think product, they got to get money. Um, and the way an online business works is you got to talk a lot for free. You got to set up these, uh, you know, conversations. You want to build relationships with people. It's 2020. Anyone can be online. The people that win have relationships. The people that win, you know, they're adding value. And so using things like YouTube live and, uh, zoom in the way we're using it now is amazing because, it just allows us to, to talk and chat and educate and add value to people's lives. And then as you go up the ladder, you know, there's people that say, Hey, you know, I'm interested in what these guys are doing. They're addressing a need. I'll continue up with them. And maybe there's something else product wise down the road that, um, you know, they'd be interested in. But the bottom line is, you know, a lot of these engagements, like you don't hang up and, and, and count your dollars. You say that was amazing. We, we added value to people's lives. We're helping our brand and we're helping our company. It's long term. Nothing short-term in, in, in the business world. You better come up with a way to feel good about getting an email because you're not going to get paid yet. And we used to have this in, in financial services, those of you that are online listening, like there was a process, a system called the one-card system, which would give you a point when you got a behavior. It would say, oh, I got a point. You didn't get paid anything. Like if you got a referral, you get a point or a mm-hmm. half a point. At the end of the week, you're supposed to get 20 points supposed to take people to lunch like you pay for lunch you didn't make any money but you got a point because of reciprocity mm-hmm. and you go through the whole thing all of a sudden you got all these points and then one day this lady uh, made like a hundred thousand dollars in 
and then you know she was an older lady, but she was great, one of my favorite people. And she says, "Oh yeah, I just made a hundred grand." And I was like, "Well, when did you make it?" She goes, 20 years ago." You know, I I, I helped someone twenty oh, years ago, that. like, and I've been taking them to lunch for twenty years, and finally, like, their in, mother dude. died, and then she ended up investing like millions of dollars, so she made a hundred grand. I said, "Well, you're not, you know, well enough that you don't associate whatever you did this month, which is probably not much, to the, making the hundred. It's called accrual. Accrual accounting means that it didn't happen yet." Right. The, either the expense of the income is coming in the future. An email is worth a, an amount of money depending on your audience. So if someone opts in to your email, they're, they're opting in. To, they want help you to help them solving their problem. If you give them something for free, what they're saying is, yeah, because you got to take th- 3 billion people online. And you got to have someone raise their hand and say, yeah, I have that problem. Yeah, maybe I'll look at your stuff. And they, they, once they give you the email, that you're, you're getting a permission slip to keep marketing to them. Right. They know when they give the email that they're going to be they're going to be hit on. You got to honor their inbox. But that's the sales process that now exists when years ago would be I'll see you for lunch in a few months. Right. Or I'll send you a newsletter if you're very sophisticated. But for the most part, that's a cruel and you want to you want to load up your list. Your email list is still number one, by the way, not followers, your email list because you can give them an instant message. Um, the bigger that is, people are buying now, very few percentage, maybe three. Some will buy soon, maybe 10. Some are going to buy within a period of time of maybe a year, and the rest are open to it but not buying. You don't know. People buy on their time. And so when you're getting, if you have a problem to solve, you want to collect emails. Yeah. And if you can stick it out and strategize and figure out a way to make money while you're learning, it's part-time employment. I was a bartender when I built my business. I did that for a few years. That's powerful. Of course, I drank the half the bar, but it's a but whole still, other one. But still, I mean, I, I say, uh, your world within, I mean, no money. you right? could argue that it's extreme. I spent four years building with zero products, nothing, just building, adding value, 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 value. And then you hit a point where you have such leverage and ability and people that care about what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, that's extreme. And, and, you know, there were other ways that, you know, to monetize videos. But, um, when you're building a company, like I was just thinking so down the road, I wanted something so big mm. and so powerful that I just sounded like Trump there, but something, <laughs> something, you know, big and, and that you can leverage. Just lost half our followers. Oh. <laughs> I got a question myself right. actually. Um, by the way, it's nine o'clock if we want to wrap it up. I'll oh, keep going. Okay. Yeah. Well, you can get uh, off if you want. Um, my question is as know. a speaker, is yeah. there a way to make a completely online business as a speaker? Because you do it sort of through YouTube and like a message like that. But what if you your passion is simply speaking, but you want to do it online? Is there like a market for that? I haven't even really thought about that too much. I mean, that's literally what I do. Yeah. Depend- well, yeah. So <laughs> would that be the model is like they start content and... Well, if you're a speaker, you want to be on stage speaking, I, I, I guess. Right. But if, if that's not your thing, if you, I mean, if it's speaking into a microphone, then maybe... Yeah, there's lots of mediums for that. There's podcasting, there's mm-hmm. YouTube, all of which we yeah. do. Yeah. 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 Um, you, I mean, you got to monetize your idea somehow. It's hard. It's harder. That's that's a difficult. I mean, I know a lot of speakers personally. They're all they're all sidelined, and no one's making any money right now. They're, some people are paying the bills. They're they're doing appearances. And they're getting creative. Of course, that hit the speaking industry by a complete surprise. But your quote, right? I forget who it was. I made X amount of money doing it. I made ten times that teaching it. Yeah. yeah. So if you are like truly a gifted speaker. And, and you're in your living room at home, 
you know, give, create products around articulating mm-hmm. words and sentences and posture and you know what i mean there's ways there's of course ways. if you're getting hired to speak you're you have, you're solving a problem for an audience it could be if you're a motivational speaker you're motivating people i mean you you don't speak a lot um in your videos ever really it's always your voice but never you're you're not the face to you're always like the, the narrating company. it yeah yeah you're a narrator and now when you do your keynotes you, you've connected the dots of the audience so they want to hear who you are and get your ideas but if you're a speaker you're solving a problem i guess um you'd want to figure out how to get, if you're going online, you got to get direct to the client. You got to solve them one at a time because you don't have a company that's going to sponsor you in most cases, unless some of these big companies are going, you know, this is extended to your, you know, months and years, they will be online conventions. Uh, in fact, you have a client doing an online convention. Yeah. I think soon. Yeah. I don't know how it'll go. Uh, try it. I mean, you don't have to rent the hall. You don't have to feed anybody. It's not that expensive. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good <laughs> right? Yeah, so I, I think I like that answer. And I obviously, you're the perfect model for it. But I'm thinking like podcast is almost perfect for a speaker. Like They don't have an audience feedback, I guess. But it's like for you, it's like you're great at the videos as well and finding music. You have a passion for music. So I think that's what makes it so great for you. But I think like as a public speaker, podcast is such a great I platform agree. for that. Yeah. It's mm. tough. It, I wish on podcast there was... Um, there was access to I know the people th- listening. I, I mean, they can't even leave comments. I, I bet there's going to be like something like that in you the think? future. There's got to be. I, yeah. I mean, that's why, frankly, we're doing this this episode because we want to talk to our audience. Yeah. Otherwise, we can't talk to them. Right. We get questions in this. Yeah, we, can, we can't talk in the podcast. We you know we got to get it on Instagram or I like talking to people live. That's yeah. where the good stuff. Do you want to hit them with the the why question of next week's topic or what would the why question be? Enlighten me, Steve. If the why question would be <laughs> how to find your why and how, how that trickles down to everything you do. Well, we're going to read this book. I'm almost done with it. Um, this is the book, uh, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. If you want to be curious, we are curious people, uh, watch his TED Talk. Like 20 million people watched it. He's one of the high, high, high-end consultants. He tells stories about Apple. He tells stories about the Wright brothers. He tells stories about Martin Luther King. He tells stories about Southwest Airlines. And it's all about why, with the same exact resources, people, access to technology, did these companies and people do so much better than their contemporaries? And it's because they had a powerful why. Mm. And in your company or your business or even your, your personal life, you should have a why do you exist? You know, I want to make a lot of money so that you can what? You know? Here's, here's food for I want to have a big Facebook group or I want to have a million people on Instagram so that you can do what? You know, so we want to help a lot of people when we had this podcast. Our why was we wanted to be able to help people share their voice and build their business so that they can experience a lifestyle friendly uh, world, you know, where they're not slaved at their business. Uh, their, their, their lives is the center of their universe and their business revolves around it, not the other way around. So I'm, I'm about a third of the way through, but I want to leave, leave them with, with this because I, I love this. Uh, um, I don't know if it's a metaphor, but ask yourself why you think Motorola, at least from their role in mobile phones, disappeared after the Razor and Apple stuck around after the iPhone. That's cool. It's, it's, really, it's really cool stuff. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to finish it and chat about it. Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning, yeah. Yeah, make sure you, if you if you like our, our work, share it. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. 
it, it's big. The little the little hinge swings a big door. Bring um, your questions. You know, if this is for your your time to talk yeah. to these guys about your businesses, personal questions, what you're struggling with, and they can help answer. They have a lot of experience in these exact fields that you're trying to do. So this is a great way to get that one on one coaching for free. Yeah, this is free. We read twenty. We at least know twenty two books, and we have <laughs> twenty two episodes to prove it. All right, go. be good. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Steve. Take Appreciate care, the questions.